Dichie and the, the team, uh, the Commissioner uh, Love and uh, your entire uh, commissioners, uh, the executive of uh, IEC, uh, the CEO and deputy CEO and the entire executive team, our staff members, um, and also the media um, component, and all of us who attended this uh, meeting. We are greeting you on behalf of uh, members of the portfolio committee and afternoon uh, members of the uh, honorable members. We must thank also Mr. Matonzi and the team who worked uh, tirelessly that they uh, were managing to schedule this uh, portfolio committee this afternoon. As you know that uh, the department are uh, uh, presenting their budget uh, vote in the uh, parliament. And today in the morning, there were uh, two budget votes that were tabled before parliament did a debate. So I want to appreciate uh, yourself for taking time, also the team and the minister and your team and the home of uh, IEC uh, for joining this uh, important uh, meeting. We are taking a record of the previous presentation of a, a parliamentary legal service and the report that was presented by uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Salmon on the work that was done and we'll continue to interact uh, with the work as a result of the constitutional court judgment, the public hearings. And there were, there were some of the areas which were referred for comment or responses from the Department of Home Affairs and uh, the IEC. And this invitation is drawn within that context of receiving the comments from the these two uh, uh, stakeholders, the IEC and Home Affairs, and will therefore uh, engage members interface with that. The second point will be to receive the uh, the the report uh, that must be adopted in terms of the program, which I was briefed earlier on. Uh, I'll be guided also by Mr. Matonzi. Yes, the consideration and adoption of the budget vote. Uh, for Department of Home Affairs. That should be the last item. We have uh, also met with the MENCO to reflect on the work of Home Affairs outside this agenda item. And amongst the issues were the tracing back of the work that uh, were continuously to interact with the Home Affairs, Government Printing Works, and the IEC. We must appreciate, Minister, that there are some of the progress in, in terms of reporting uh, to the issues that are raised by the public and also uh, members of the uh, members of parliament, uh, various political parties, in relation to the uh, work that uh, all the issues that are, are raised by members of the public, the complaints, and to some extent, there's a progress on some of the areas that uh, we're able to identify. But also there's some weaknesses which I think we need to have a more uh, um, uh, active response, pay attention to the issues that are raised by members of the uh, of parliament. That are some of the issues that are, are being sent for inquiries and some of the complaints that are being raised by the, uh, the public and the members of parliament and we, we don't able to respond to those uh, uh, issues in time, even if the, 
not uh, critical issues that can take a day to respond to, unlike some of the issues that they have to undergo a process in terms of the legislation policy position of the department. The second point that I think I must raise uh, in relation to the current developments around the matter that uh, is receiving attention or is uh, beginning to receive public uh, attention around the student who is alleged that uh, uh, he has passed on um, as a result of the issues that are relation to the permits. And I would like to the uh, and I get to interact with that matter um, yesterday in terms of the paperwork that the, the papers that have already exposed the, that uh, that matter. I would like to the minister and the DG uh, once we've concluded, Mr. Matunzi, you will give the minister and the DG and the DM to uh, or the minister to lead the uh, the responses that the newspapers that have been reflecting around that student uh, uh, in one of the institutions in the country. And I think there was an, also a communique uh, on one of the uh, minister, uh, former minister of, uh, 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 I think in Zimbabwe, if I'm recollecting well the, the papers. But it's important, even if this matter has been raised in relation to the payment, because that is our oversight work, so that we're able, the community, to have an authority in terms of clarity that should be offered by yourself, uh, the minister, as you are presiding over the administration of home affairs. So we'll table that item, give an opportunity to respond to that. We have also taken a posture that uh, uh, this matter of uh, administrative no responses when the members are raising uh, will we'll, 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 uh, take a different posture to interact now, invite directly those officials who are dealing with the uh, managing, uh, who in fact the Home Affairs has directed the committee to interact with, will directly invite them to the committee and account uh, uh, to the issues that have been raised. Uh, we've realized that it appears that there's a long uh, route when you interact with the minister and the DG. So if the minister, there's no uh, proper improvement around that, we're going to go down the DG uh, to request yourself to invite those that are responsible for abling to inform uh, the public and engage on the issues that directly are raised by the uh, department, I mean, by members of the public. We are now going to invite uh, uh, Mr. Matonsi to give us apologies, if there's any apologies, and we invite the minister to introduce the, uh, the team uh, that is going to present on the item number three and item number six. Then we'll then invite the minister to uh, lead the item number number three so that we don't get into introductions when we're inviting or getting to any item. Let's deal with the introductions on item number two and apologies so that we're able to uh, release members of the uh, uh, portfolio committee, yourselves. Uh, today is Friday. I'm sure it was a long day uh, since uh, 10 o'clock members have been in the parliamentary uh, sessions. Mr. Matunze? Hi, Chairperson. From the committee side, there are no apologies except that uh, uh, Ms. Van der Merve, she said she's driving, she, she might have difficulties in connecting, but she tried to connect. The one apology that I received from, from the ministry, but I, I see that the DM is also on the platform. There was an apology, an apology for the DM. Thanks, Chair. That's all. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Matunze, for apology rendered, noted. 
Minister, um, introductions of all the team you are leading, and apologies if uh, you want to uh, present them. Minister Mzolid. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you, honorable members. Good afternoon to you. I will give this opportunity to the DG to, to introduce the team from Home Affairs. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Makode, DG. Good afternoon, uh, Chairperson. Good afternoon to the Minister. Good afternoon, Deputy Minister and Honorable uh, Members of uh, the Committee and also the Commissioners from uh, the IEC and also the CEO and Deputy CEO of the IEC. From our side, it's myself and then uh, we also joined by uh, uh, Advocate Michelle Dibier, uh, who is uh, standing in for Senior Counsel uh, Butlander, who couldn't make it this afternoon. And then it's Advocate Moses Malakate uh, from our legal uh, services, and then Mosin Jogwe, uh, Parliamentary Liaison Officer, and then Madie and the Chief Director responsible for communications uh, at the Department of Home Affairs, Mr. Bunki Gwanga. That's the team, Chairperson. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you very much, DG uh, and the Minister. I had earlier on requested that uh, we must also minister introduce uh, the team of the IEC that will be dealing with item uh, number six so that we don't go back to introductions. Uh, and Mr. Matunzi, you'll add the last item uh, that the minister has to intro, uh, uh, respond to the or comment on the issue, brief the committee on the issues that I've raised earlier on. Thank you, Minister. Person, once more, I would like uh, Commissioner Love to introduce uh, IECT. Thank you very much. Thank you, Minister Commissioner Love. Uh, Commissioner Love. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Greetings to you and other members of the uh, committee. Um, uh, Chairperson, I'm uh, accompanied by uh, Commissioner Moyekia and Commissioner Masuku. Um, the Commissioner Pele, Judge Pele will try and join us. Um, uh, she's uh, still tied up with court matters. Um, in addition to that, I would like to convey the apologies of the CEO. Um, he is not able to attend today. He is not well, but the um, team is led by the Deputy CEO, Mr. Shiburi, and other members of EXCO are in attendance. Um, in particular, um, Mr. Mashlangu and um, also Mr. Mosery. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Deputy Commissioner Love and the commissioners present and all the team of uh, IEC. Uh, Minister, uh, you can now run on the uh, second item. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. The second item is emerged from parliamentary questions on the electoral amendment in 2022. Uh, we were asked to answer certain questions that were raised 
by the parliamentary legal services in respect of, of the bill. And if I'm not mistaken, there were mainly four issues that were to respond to. The first one being the issue of voluntary association and independent candidates, whether uh, independent candidates are allowed by the bill to form voluntary uh, associations. And uh, we're going to respond to that. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to ask Advocate DBA for us to take us through it because some of the issues are, are very legal. But on the side that is not necessarily legal is the, the side of uh, the political and our thinking side. We want to maintain that the essence of the constitutional court judgment is to allow people to participate without association. So we don't understand why people go to court and say we don't want to associate with anybody and then come and say we want to form association. Yes, we agree associations can be formed if they are political parties, but the essence of the uh, uh, constitutional court in our understanding, it says people must be allowed to stand as individuals. If they want to associate, then they join political parties. That, that's our belief, but Advocate DPA will elaborate on it. The second issue is a requirement that an independent candidate must be a resident of the constituency they are contesting. Uh, it's an issue that you will also respond to officially, but it's, it's not something uh, uh, that uh, is a matter of life and death for us about the issue of addresses. We, we will ask that people uh, provide, pro provide us with addresses, but we will also not stop them from contesting in other constituencies or in other regions, if they so choose. But I, I will also leave it to Advocate DPA to explain. Yeah, the biggest issue here, Chairperson, is the issue of vacancies, where in the bill we mentioned that there is no mechanism through which when an a seat held by independent candidates goes vac vacant, either through resignation or whether maybe the person is demised or, or, or uh, retired or whatever, that it don't be filled after the next election. We are aware that it has raised a lot of eyebrows. It has been deba debated uh, all over. Chairperson, I want to state up front that we were not ideologically or politically or in any other way uh, opposed to the issue of a seat of an independent candidate being filled if the person who held that seat originally is no more there. We are not vehemently opposed. The issue here was simple practicality and affordability because of the type of elections that are being proposed by this bill. Uh, if you remember, some members, uh, I remember the honorable member of the EFF, Honorable Swagu, even said, it means we will be in a perpetual election mode. We, we believe practically, Chairperson, the, the elections are not an end in itself. They are a means to an end. 
So if a country every day it wakes up, is in an election, where will be the time for service delivery? And where will be the, the resources? Financial, human, uh, and even the time to be involved in an election so often. Right now, there is a complaint already about the fact that we are going to elections every two and a half years. Now, the by-elections in the world do not shake the whole country because it's a small area of the world where the rest of the country is not even aware that there's a by-election except those who read papers and all that. Now, this one will shake everybody, and that is our problem. Now, what we are proposing, because we are not vehemently opposed, what we are proposing is an alternative method of filling that seed without the by-election. Like, for instance... Uh, using what we are using now for political parties, but use it for independence. Uh, and then we are proposing uh, then that we go back to the previous election. That means the election in which the independent who has now demised or resigned is taking place. We go and check who is next on the list. And we skip political parties. We only concentrate on independence. In other words, if the next seat in terms of the results of the election was supposed to be won by a political party, we skip it until we arrive at the next uh, 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 independent candidate and we say that's the one who must fill that seat so that it must remain vacant. What we ask the committee to guide on is whether the committee will like a situation where even if the next Let's say in that election, 100,000 people participated, and that uh, independent candidate who's next on the list uh, got less than 10 votes. Will that person still be regarded as a public representative? We just ask him because theoretically that is possible. But in terms of the next person on the list taking over that seat, we are not opposed to that because, as I said, our opposition was not a principled one. It was a practical opposition that practically, how do we do that? And, and throughout the whole public hearings and all that, nobody gave us any alternative except to insist that that seat must be filled. So we are giving that alternative today, that it must be filled by going back to the results of the election and check who, who was next on the list. The fourth issue is provision relating to party lines and committees and agents, uh, whereby ever since elect the Electoral Commission uh, was established, uh, there's always been a party license committee. And as the weight implies, it's a license committee of political parties. And uh, now we have got independence. As to how they are going to come in, in terms of the Electoral Act, I would like the lawyers to, to remind us. We believe, yes, that independence must be represented in one or the other in the license, but this is a party license committee of political parties, and independents are independent. So we've got the proposal here we're going to make, which might end up having to go to the electoral court. I don't know, we will be advised, but uh, I would also like Advocate Debea to clarify that one. So let me, uh, with your permission, Chair, allow Advocate Debea to fill up uh, all these issues I've mentioned. I was just really opening for him and highlighting the important issues, especially uh, the issue of uh, association and the issue of filling a vacancy. 
I think those are the most important ones that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, needed my attention. And then he will go on to elaborate on the rest. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, noting that also the welcoming the uh, they've joined also this uh, important meeting. Advocate Libias. Uh, good afternoon, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, good afternoon, members of the committee. Uh, I'm going to focus on the legal issues in the those four legal issues that the minister has just mentioned now. Um, yeah, uh, can you go to the next slide, please? So, on the first question about voluntary associations and independent candidates, um, you'll see on the slide here, it's quite a, a lot written there, but essentially, what we understand, the legal team that's been advising on the drafting of the bill, is that comments were received in the process that certain movements want independent candidates to be able to form voluntary associations to contest elections. Um, apparently, a reference was made to Section 15A of the Electoral Commission Act. Um, we note first that that provision was repealed last year in, uh, with effect from August 2021. Um, so we don't really understand how people could have contested the local government elections relying on that provision. But that's that's by the way. Um, can we move to the next slide, please? So the, the substance of the issue is this. In New Nation Movement, the Constitutional Court held that citizens of South Africa have a right not to associate when they contest elections. So they have a right not to participate in an association of people and through a political party. And the bill was prepared on the basis that it makes provision for independent candidates to contest elections without associating with people. And that's why currently the bill doesn't make provision for independent candidates to form another sort of group. It's called not a political party, but a voluntary association. Of course, um, sorry, can we move on to the next slide, please? Of course, independent candidates could form a group of people. They don't have to call themselves a political party, but they could form a group and register as, I'm going to call a political party under the Act. Nothing is stopping them from doing so. But what the amendment bill proposes to do is to make provision for those people who, like in the New Nation Movement case, say they want to contest elections by not associating with other people. Can we move to the next slide, please? Uh, so the second question or the second issue that came up was this question, this, this requirement in the bill that a an independent candidate must be resident in the constituency that they are contesting. Now, members of the committee will know that the bill proposes that 200 seats in the National Assembly are reserved, are regional seats, and that independent candidates can contest those 200 seats. And it's correct that the bill proposes that when registering as an independent candidate to contest the regional seats, uh, one would have to uh, show that they are res resident within the constituency they want to contest and register to vote there. So what the bill also does, um, and it's 
it's up on the screen now. Um, it also proposes inserting a new paragraph into section 27 2C of the Electoral Act, and that will require the candidates on political party lists uh, for regional seats, regional seats, also to be registered to vote in the constituencies they want to contest. So the requirement would be the same. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? Um, something else that came up um, apparently was so people questioned whether at local government elections there's a similar requirement, and presently there is. So if I want to contest, I live in Cape Town, uh, the, the Cape Town, my ward, uh, the local government election there, I have to be registered to vote in Cape Town, and we know that to be registered to vote somewhere, we have to give an address where we live. So that's where that the idea of that requirement came from. And an argument that can be made is that having people ordinarily resident in the constituencies they're contesting sort of advances and gives effect to the values of accountability, responsiveness, and openness. Um, and that was that's how I understand what the idea was behind that. And then we move to the next slide, please. The next issue, as the minister highlighted, is that of vacancies. And it is quite a, <clears throat> excuse me, a vexed issue. As the minister highlighted, um, holding by-elections across a province every time an independent candidate vacates their seat, and that can be for many reasons, as we know, um, would be costly, impractical, and difficult. The bill currently proposes that the seat will remain vacant until the next election. And the one option which the minister did highlight, and perhaps I can just go into a bit more detail, is that if an independent candidate seat is vacated, what essentially could happen is, uh, can we go to the next slide, please? It is on the next slide. Is that the votes for that independent candidate will essentially be forfeited and then the seats will be reallocated in accordance with the votes that are left over. And as the minister was saying, it could either go to whoever the next person on the list is, and that might be a political party, or a policy choice could be made. I'm going to emphasize the word policy. That's not my, my expertise, um, but that'll be the Honorable House's expertise, um, that the next independent candidate could fill the vacated seat. So there are options of doing it, um, and that's, I, I do think it's going to be a policy question about the way forward there. Uh, maybe we go to the next slide, please. Am I still online? Yes, you are. Thank you very much, Commissioner Love. Um, so the last question is dealing with the party liaison committees and agents. And um, for the first issue, the party liaison committee issue, the Electoral Act currently defines party liaison committee as a committee established by regulations published by the Electoral Commission under the Electoral Act, uh, Commission Act. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? So quite long ones. Um, so currently, the regulations provide for three types of party liaison committees, 
one for national elections, uh, two for provincial elections, and three for local government elections. And in the provision, I think it is on the next slide, so I'm going to ask to go there. It's regulation 2.3.3, already contemplates at local government level the inclusion of representatives for independent candidates on uh, party layers on committees. So the, the upshot of all of this is that the work that needs to be done on including independent candidates and party layers on committees is not in the Electoral Act, which is what the amendment bill is focusing on, but in the regulations passed by the Electoral Commission. Now, I do take a point that the Electoral Act speaks about a party liaison committee, and perhaps the term party liaison is not an appropriate term if we are including independent candidates in elections generally. So an amendment could be made to the Act to change the terminology. Um, and again, I, uh, I would, I would welcome, welcome the views of the members of the committee um, of, of an appropriate term there. Uh, the last question is agents, which I think is on the last page of the slide uh, of the presentation. Uh, oh, apologies, it's the next slide. Thank you. Um, currently, the bill does not make provision for agents for independent candidates to be appointed, and we have considered it, and we think there might be an argument that it's um, it's unfair. Uh, put it in simple terms, to allow political parties to appoint agents who can monitor elections and voting at voting stations, but not provide the same um, opportunity for independent candidates to do so as well. Uh, a practical question might be if every independent candidate can appoint uh, agents, you may land up having many, many, many agents running around voting stations. Uh, I mean, this might be a bit overblown. Um, so it, if that's a concern that does need to be addressed, there may be a different way of dealing with agents. But we do think that some provision does need to be made for independent candidates to have an opportunity to appoint agents. I just want to have a look at my notes quickly. I think that's all I need to say for now. Uh, yes, thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Minister, and thank you to the members of the committee and the chairperson for giving us the opportunity to respond. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Advocate Bier, for the brief responses arising from the uh, presentation made by the Parliamentary Legal Service and uh, the report that was presented by um, Mr. Salmon as a result of the public hearing. And I think take account to the issues raised by the public uh, stakeholders and political parties in that uh, space. We're going to invite members to uh, comment or raise uh, questions uh, around the presentation that has been uh, made. Um, we will take uh, uh, Honorable Mulekwa, we'll take Honorable Kanyele, we'll take Honorable uh, Ruos, we'll take Honorable Lekwase, we'll take Honorable uh, Ramulobe, and we'll take Honorable uh, uh, Lizelle and Honorable Pillay. Um, Mr. Matons, you'll advise when other members uh, have, uh, have joined. Yeah, in that order, Honorable Mulekwa. Uh, 
Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, we appreciate the response by the department has been presented by Advocate Hedipier. Chairperson, we take note and welcome that the response has been presented. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Kanyele. Greetings, Chairperson, and greetings to everyone that is present in the meeting. We are noting the, the, the responses that we have just received, and I think um, it has provided clarity, especially in terms of what needs to happen if um, a member of an independent um, passes away, because one would have thought that was going to actually have a negative impact on the, on the service delivery. Uh, maybe going forward, I, I do think we're going to have to look at the issue of, of party agents. I do believe that it is fair to have independent candidates having their party agents that are going to look at their vote in various um, voting districts. However, maybe the IEC can, I don't know, can guide us in terms of the number of the people that can be accommodated in, in each VD, because the sizes of the VDs, they, they vary. You find that some bids are actually more than others. Um, I think going forward, those are some of the issues that we will need to look at. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Kanyele, Honorable Rose. Uh, thank you, Chair, and, uh, and thank you to the Minister for the presentation. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And, um, yeah, just on the, the third item, um, I think it's important what the minister says about, you know, the fact that the new nation movement judgment, um, you know, one of the basis of the case was about this right not to associate. Um, and then also this question of proportionality, ensuring that uh, there's, a, there's as reasonable as possible a level of general proportionality. Um, and so certainly when, you know, when you look at the filling of vacancies, I think it's, it's important to say, you know, if, if a... Again, if, if an independent were to resign or, or vacate their seat for, for whatever reason, um, you know, one would need to look at the fairness of saying that you would skip the next smaller party um, to then to choose an independent. Um, because really, you know, an independent is an independent. So again, you talk about voluntary associations and that. Uh, it's an association. It's, you're not independent, you're, you're associated. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, the point about um, skipping a party on that, it, it's, you know, it would probably be more fair to, uh, you know, if the next um, person that is there is a party, that, that, that they become the next person that, that falls that slot, even if an independent candidate was the one that uh, left. That's just my comment, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Ruos. Um, Honorable Hwase. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me just thank the department for the responses and the clarity given to us by the minister. I think it's, it made everything clearer and the issue of the filling of the vacancy on my side was a bit problematic. But now that it has been put before us, I think I am a bit clarified on issues. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Kwase. Honorable Ramulobe. Thanks, Chair. Um, I'm finding difficulties to unmute. 
Um, good afternoon to colleagues. Chair, I note the response from the department and the we got from the minister. Those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Lizen. Honorable Tito. Honorable Kota. Honorable Tsuako. Honorable Pile. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Chair, let me say that I'm quite pleased because uh, this um, responses actually clarifies many of the discussions that we've been having over the last two months. Uh, and I want to draw specific and special mention to that of um, filling of vacancies, but also to seek clarity, because I've heard the advocates say that we would take the next one on the list, uh, be it independent or political party. If you can just clarify, what does that mean? Because um, I would need to know if we've done the allocation in terms of the, the formula, and then you've allocated seats. If I'm given to understand the first round was independence and the second round was political parties, how then will it be a political party or independent? If we can just clarify the, the filling of vacancies in terms of the next one that's on the list. But I want to, to, to just draw you to, to the last page of, of the report on the conclusion. And I think it's the most important thing for me when it says that 5.2.1, this has serious implications with the increased cost of elections. And then 5.2.2, the threshold which the commission must adopt for determining qualification to be a candidate, whether by way of monetary deposit and demonstration of electoral support, may have to be adjusted upward to obviate privately without creating perceptions that barriers are being placed to participation. I think that's brilliant because that then just sums up the whole criteria for, for participation as an independent candidate to contest the elections. And also it avoids a lengthy uh, ballot paper or ballot book, like we were saying. So I think for me, uh, all the points here raised are salient and are key to how we can be able to move forward. And I now see that we are coming towards the end um, and, and seeing the light at this tunnel. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, colleagues, for uh, clarity and comments. And I think some of the issues will, uh, now that the IC will be uh, coming back, uh, they may uh, take uh, some of the issues uh, in relation to the party license uh, committee. Uh, perhaps they may need to expand uh, uh, in terms of the representation and how this uh, uh, will uh, run in the local government uh, elections where they're independent. I wanted to also raise the matter here, uh, uh, Minister, on the proposal that I think is being reconsidered or, or want to, we are submitting um, on the list when uh, a member of independent is, uh, is no longer in parliament or resign or there's anything that happens uh, and you'll take another when uh, you you want to replace you'll go and jump with the political party in one of the presentation you 
you did, uh, you, you had an, a posture towards the gender representation. Um, uh, what is the attitude uh, towards that when you, you are going to apply that uh, uh, formula? I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware that uh, we're striving towards that as the, as the country. And, uh, um, and I'm raising this in line with what we've raised now, that if you find a second independent candidate has, uh, has been voted by 10 people, uh, whether that it reflects uh, the public uh, uh, or the, the, the voting, the constituency that that person or independent has, be, has been raising. I would just want to get an attitude towards the, uh, the gender representation because I don't think, I could not hear it clearly in terms of the reconsideration of the formula that uh, you, 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 you are raising. Uh, Minister, I will take you and then uh, go to the um, advocate beer, and then we will take the IEC. Minister? Yeah, th thank you very much, Chair. <coughs> Chair, if you remember when we first presented, <coughs> we presented the 10 overriding principles that were used by the Ministerial Advisory Committee, if you remember, MEC. Uh, which is the one that advised us on the options. They presented those 10 overriding principles. One of them was gender, that under no conditions must we come up with any new policy that will reverse the, the gains on gender that the country has made uh, up to so far. And I mentioned that it is worth noting that the same 10 principles were also the principles of the 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 the, the Fanzine Slapet Committee of 2002, which reported in 2003, uh, that the issue of gender equality is extremely extremely important. And you are aware that in the present dispensation, the present Parliament, we rely on political parties to do that. But political parties also rely on proportional representation. For instance, when you go to local government, with the best intentions, it's difficult to balance the issues of gender when it comes to board committees, not only for independent candidates, even for political parties, to balance on gender in, in, in the wards is very difficult. And by and large, if you go back and look at results, it's mostly a male choir, whether from independents or from political parties. Now, gender is then balanced by the issue of proportional representation. If you remember, we then said after the allocation of the, 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 the 200 seats, then we come with what we call compensatory seats, which will assure of overall proportionality. It was one of the biggest motivations why we wanted 200 comp compensatory seats. We are hoping in those 200 compensatory seats, political parties will then look at the issues of gender. That, that was the reason. Now, the way I understand your question, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is when we replace this independence, are we looking at gender? For instance, the simplest way to explain what you're saying is, if the independent who vacated the seat uh, was a woman, shouldn't that person be replaced with, a, with a, another woman? That, that will be our first prize, Chairperson, completely 
I agree with you on that one. It will be our first prize. But if it's a man, and then the replacement is a woman, that will also be welcome because then it means it's advancing gender. Uh, it, it's adding more women. But the situation where we start subtracting women bit by bit is going to be a little bit problematic. So I, I would like the committee to help look into that. But our proposal is that the next person in line uh, uh, must fill that seat. But I wouldn't really advise that we go to an extent where we are saying we must keep the men and put the woman. Because as I said, proportionality will have been uh, assured or resolved by the issue of the, the complementary seats. That's why the issue of complementary seats was so important. So I will say, let's leave it as it is. If the next person in line happens to be a woman, whether replacing another woman or replacing a man, that will be very ideal, but it may not happen always like that. But let's leave it as, as it is. On the issue of whether the replacement, the next in line on the previous election must be a political party. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit against that because I don't want a situation where bit by bit through this natural phenomena, we end up replacing independence. Let's say there were about five independents in parliament and, and three of them vacated during that five-year period. And the, we've, we so find that the next on the list is a political party. We'll end up eliminating many of them and we'll be blamed that we have found a, a technical way to eliminate them because we did not want independence because there is this narrative outside there that a political parties uh, don't want independence to participate in the election. So I would like to fit in that narrative. I will say, let's leave it like that. If the next on in line is a political party, we skip, we go to the independence so that their number must remain constant throughout that electoral cycle. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister, for uh, your, your comments. Uh, Advocate Bier, is there any? Uh, thank you, Chair. Just in response to Honourable Pillay's question, um, I, I, I don't know the detail yet. Um, just to be honest, I haven't thought through all the implications. Um, I think what's difficult is that you may, let's say we have three independent candidates in Parliament who get into Parliament um, in 2024, and all three of them, for whatever reason, have to vacate their seats. What happens if no other independent candidates contested? Um, you know, that could happen. We don't know. Or the next independent candidate only got one or two votes. So when one starts picking up the detail, it does become a bit more difficult to understand or, or, or to figure out the exact implications of it. Um, but I think there is a way of, there is a way of figuring it out. Um, and I think either one can, as I was saying earlier, forfeit the votes for the independent candidates and do a reallocation of the seats and where the cards fall, they fall. Um, where the next in line might be an independent candidate or might be a political party, or it could be drafted in a way so that even if the next the next in line is a political party they skipped over. Uh, but that's, uh, as I said earlier, I think a more of a policy question than a legal question. Thank you very much, Chair. Thanks very much for taking us through the uh, responses. Uh, 
Minister Mzolidi and uh, Advocate DPS and your team. Um, I think members have taken note of uh, uh, these, some of the issues which will assist when we're going to uh, deliberate uh, on these uh, issues. I'm sure that you are quite aware that uh, we're not formulating a decision on your uh, uh, presentations. We're noting for purpose of a, uh, so that we're informed when we we're going to uh, engage uh, on this uh, process. Uh, Minister, we're going now to invite uh, uh, IEC. Um, in the same process, uh, we'll request, uh, uh, we'll invite uh, um, Deputy Commissioner Love to introduce uh, uh, the, their responses to the Portfolio Committee and the Commissioners. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and again uh, to the honourable members of the committee. Um, the presentation, well, we, we've sent a full submission, which has um, a fair amount of detail. And the presentation that we make is really based on the bill as it is before Parliament. And the responses that we have to that bill are really to um, place suggestions before the committee in relation to that bill specifically that provides some kind of um, technical um, advice and, and possibility for the committee to consider. So we focus on five key questions and then raise a couple of other supplementary issues. Um, and we are, the, the point that we wanted to emphasize is that aside from, of course, um, uh, engaging with you today and answering whatever questions, should the committee, as you go forward, decide that there is a specific type of other issue or particular form of amendment that you um, think is, is feasible to bring in to even address some of the questions that you're talking about today, we stand ready to deal with those. Of course, it was impossible to deal with every possible scenario because we didn't know which possible scenario the committee would, um, would consider as being realistic. So we've responded as far as possible to the bill as it stands, mindful of some of the questions that have come before you. And um, I'm going to hand over to our Deputy CEO, Mr. Shiburi, who will then take us through those key points and we then stand ready to engage with the committee on the issues. Thank you, Chairperson. And if with your permission, I'll hand over to Mr. Shiburi. Thank you, uh, Deputy Commissioner Laf. ABC or Shiburi? Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon uh, to the Minister, members of the Commission, and the honorable, honorable members of the Portfolio Committee. The Chairperson has already introduced the. Uh, I need help. Yes. Thank you. The context has already been introduced by the Vice Chairperson. I'll deal with it. I will go to the next slide. In the next slide, we reiterate the obvious to underscore and honor the station of power principles, and that is the parliament is the Chair only Chairperson. authority. Chairperson. Yes. Uh, um, my, my, my deepest apologies 
some of us have got very difficult uh, in seeing. I'm not sure whether it's an issue of age. Is there anywhere that the slide can go bigger? Otherwise, it's a punishment on our eyes. Um, uh, the, uh, Mr. Shibori can make it to a slideshow rather than having the the um, left-hand column there. I think that will help yes. you, Minister. I believe so. I believe so. Uh, let's see. Can I can I establish uh, uh, before we 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 attempt to disrupt the meeting, Minister? Did you go through the document of the IEC? Minister. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I was muted. I was struggling to unmute. I'm saying, yes, I've got a fairer idea. I did go through it. So if it is difficult to change chairperson, I will. But I thought, I just thought it would be good for me to see what is on the screen. But yeah. if it's possible, I'll live with it. Yeah. No, if uh, uh, I think it's better now. Is it better, uh, Minister? is better, but I don't know why they're failing to do slideshow, because slideshow will solve all the problems, as the, the vice, uh, uh, what you call, chair of the commission is saying. Mr. Shibur, is there any uh, opportunity to cater a, a minister? I'm operating at the apex of my technolog technological ability. <laughs> uh, DG, uh, I think this is a matter you must look so that you assist the minister. Um, we're pleading because he has raised this matter for a second time. Um, let's see how we assist the minister in future, uh, DJ. Hey, person, I'm not sure why officials do this. This morning in the JCPS cluster, it's the same thing. Some of us are hard of sight. I started putting spectacles at the age of 18, and my eyesight is continuously failing and the yeah, minister minister let's not motivate i don't know the, why why they confine us because minister so huge it can accommodate minister minister sir minister sir let's not let's not motivate the uh, uh, the challenge uh, and focus on the subject matter um we have noted the the challenges that you are you are you are you are, you are facing I think let's get mechanism on how we can resolve it. But in the meantime, uh, uh, Mr. Shibur, uh, can you proceed with the with the uh, presentation? The IT team, in the meantime, will assist to uh, properly uh, screen the uh, the presentation. Thank you. Uh, right. your intervention. I see Mr. Uh, Salmon has his hands up. Okay, Mr. Salmon. So I, so I see he's uh, having some challenges sharing the presentation. So I'll share the, the, the full screen mode so that uh, members can see better. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for your intervention. Uh, 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 Minister, I think we're collectively interve intervening on your challenge. Uh, thank you, Mr. Salmon. Can you proceed? Uh, in the meantime, uh, Mr. Shibori. Thank you, Chair. I was on the background slide, and there we just reiterate the obvious to underscore that we want to honor the important principle of the separation of power. And that is achieved by us 
acknowledging that Parliament is the only legitimate body that has the authority to make policy choices on an electoral system. Our participation here today is at the invite of the portfolio committee and is consistent with the mandate that we hold as the country's election management body. And as the vice chair has said, uh, input are restricted only to uh, inputs of a technical nature. In order to frame our input, uh, we want to repeat what we understand uh, by the bill. Uh, is that the bill has adopted a minimalistic option, which is one of the two approaches posed in the Ministerial Advisory uh, Committee report. And the bill envisages to accommodate independence in the current electoral scheme by doing the following one, dividing the 400 seats in the National Assembly into 200 regional seats and 200 compensatory seats. That each region will be a multi-member constituency by region is meant a province. And that region is allocated a proportional number of seats to be contested both by independents and a candidate representing political parties. And that to avoid confusion, the 200 compensatory seats are reserved, are reserved for contest only by political parties. The first theme that we traverse in the submission is as follows, Chair. And as the vice chair has indicated, we are not attempting we are not attempting a clause by clause analysis of the bill, but rather grouping up submission into themes. We have also noted that uh, the input by the minister and advocate Debier has introduced new proposals. So, in some respect, the suggestion by the commission may be rendered academic. Uh, because of the of the of the new introductions uh, that the minister and advocate uh, DPA have pro proposed, and this uh, largely in two areas, as it relates to the vacancies uh, and how you fill them, as they relate to independent candidates. Secondly, it relates to the requirement for residency for uh, independent to contest in a region. We'll start with the first theme, and that theme deals with the allocation of seats in the National Assembly. How we have structured our input is that we first set out and summarize what the current act as it stands before it's amended uh, provides for. And secondly, we deal with what we understand to be the contents of the bill and where necessary, we offer suggestions uh, by the commission. The current electoral act as it stands, uh, allocate seats to the National Assembly per Mr. region. Mr. Mr. Shibur, sorry, uh, who's moving the slides? Uh, uh, so that other... we, are, we are on the right slide. Okay. Okay. Yes. Chairperson, I just uh, I haven't got I've only got a PDF, not this presentation. They sent us uh, another document, not this document, so I can't share it yet. On the screen is still remaining background or is the slides moving? Person, the slides aren't moving, and I'm in the process of sending Mr. Salman the full presentation as he's as he's requested. Um, so I'm doing that right now. Okay. Yeah. No, I think uh, it will just uh, take another minute. So if you if you can just give me that minute so that I can do that uh, for Mr. Salman, just to okay. send him the full presentation. 
Okay. Uh, yes, apologies, uh, Deputy CEO. We're trying to, okay. uh, so that all of us were able to, even though those that didn't receive the presentation are able to get the, uh, to follow your, the IEC presentation. I'm sure our apologies accepted, uh, Mr. Shul. It was not required to in the first place. I should be apologizing. Thank you. No, I'm taking responsibility. That I'm saying, I'm sure it's accepted. Thank you, Chair. Um, have you received it yet, um, Adam? I'm still checking. No, it hasn't arrived yet, but I, I keep checking and share it as soon, yeah. as, it, as, soon I, as it arrives. I have sent it to you. I've got it. Thank you. Good. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, we're on page, the next page, I think, the next On page slide. five, on slide five. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, thanks, uh, thank Mr. You, Adams. Mr. Thanks, uh, Commissioner Love. You can proceed, uh, DBCF CEO. Thank you, Chair. Uh, we, what is currently in the Electoral Act is that the regional seats in the National Assembly are allocated per region to the parties contesting an election according to two important criteria. The first is that we use the troop quota, and the second is that we allocate to the highest surpluses or highest remainders. And we'll see in a moment why this is important. In terms of this, a quota is derived by determining uh, Votes per seat is determined by, in respect of each region, by dividing the total number of votes cast in a region by the number of seats plus one, two, and you avoid and you ignore the, the fractions. For an example, in 2019 election, the Eastern Cape as a region was allocated 25 seats as a region, and that was its share of contribution to the National Assembly. So there you'd say 2,100 votes cast in that region, divide by 26, add one, and remove fractions. That would give you a quota for a party to get a seat in that legislature in, 20, in, 20, in 2019. Next slide, uh, Adam. What the bill proposes, What the bill proposes is that the allocation of regional seats in the National Assembly will use a combination of quota system. In, in what it means is that instead of just group, there are two quota systems that are used to allocate seats. The bill also proposes that seats be allocated in three rounds. The first and second round, the seat allocation is reserved only for candidates that are independent and parties do not contest in the allocation in those two rounds. This is a well-meaning uh, uh, intervention and because it is intended to benefit independents by allocating seats to them first in two rounds, 
and in which parties do not feature. While conceptually and on face value, the allocations seem preferential and beneficial to independents, we will demonstrate that they achieve the opposite result. In practice, independents would require a much higher quota for a seat in the first and second rounds of allocation. And in the second round, and again in the second round, and this is so because in the first two rounds, the first and second round, the bill proposes that we use a hair quota and not a droop quota. Next slide. What the commission therefore suggests to ameliorate this uh, uh, difficulty is that the allocation is simplified. Instead of three rounds allocation, we use a single round of allocation. And we do not use a combination of quotas, but we use a single quota, which is group. Because in the current, in the bill as it stands, the first two allocations for independents are on the basis of hair, and the allocation for parties in the third round is in terms of the group, is in terms of the group uh, quota system. So in terms of group, we will use, as we currently know it, to use the, uh, the total number of valid votes in a region divided by the total number of seats plus one and, uh, and, and disregarding fractions to, dis to determine a quota. And then you divide the quota by, you divide the number of votes that a party gets by the quota to determine the share, the proportion share of the vote for that party in that legislative assembly. Next slide. The rationale for this is that the largest remainder system produces more proportional results with smaller parties, in this case, independents and all other smaller parties standing a better chance of gaining seats. The group quota also moderates the potential bias in favor of small parties resulting from the largest remainder being a system by providing for a lower quota. In other words, if we persist with what is currently in the bill and using the example in the Eastern Cape of uh, 25 seats in 2019, you would need roughly 84,000 votes for an independent to get a seat in the first allocation. And if a single candidate gets a seat in the first allocation, you will have to exclude their votes and the seat that they have won and redetermine the quota for the second allocation. And in that instance, the quota will reduce to about 83,000. If another candidate gets a seat there, you then revise the quota, exclude the two or all other candidates, independent candidates that have received seats, and include, include the, exclude their seats and exclude their votes and redetermine a quota for parties. And if you do that, the parties will earn a seat at a significantly reduced quota, which introduces an unfairness in the in the in the system so the proposal that we're making is that instead of the three round allocation the suggestion by the commission is that we revert to the current practice use a single round of allocation you drop hair as a quota for independence and introduce group for all uh, for all candidates in that way you stand a much higher chances of independent candidates being allocated to sit and also retaining the participation of smaller parties who tend to gain representation 
as uh, as a result of the allocation of seed by the highest uh, highest remainder. Next slide. The second theme that we deal with is restoring proportionality. In the current scheme, we determine proportion share by using the total number of seeds in the National Assembly, i.e. 400. The difference between that and what is currently in the bill is that in the bill, there are 200 seeds reserved in order to restore proportionality. So you don't use the total 400 seats in the National Assembly to restore proportionality, but you use 200 seats. The unintended consequence of that is that if you use 200 to restore proportionality, you almost invariably and, and unintentionally doubling the quota. So instead of the current 40,000 votes that a party needs to get a seat, in, in, to get a seat, a party will require double, will require almost 80,000 uh, uh, votes to, to get a seat. The, intent, the, the outcome that is not intended there is that it may obliterate smaller parties, it makes it more difficult for independent to get a seat, and it may dilute the plurality of voices in the in the in the national in the in the legislative in the legislative in the legislative assembly. The proposal or suggestion that the commission is making is that we use or retain the current scheme where we use the 600 seat and we adapt it as follows to accommodate the independence. First, you determine the national quota by dividing the total valid votes cast by 400 plus one minus and you minus independent seats that have been allocated. The result plus one disregarding fractions becomes the national proportion uh, quota. In other words, instead of parties requiring double the votes to get a seat, as, in, as proposed in the bill, the parties will only require half of those votes because you are restoring proportionality out of the 400 seats by removing the votes that have been won by independents rather than looking the restoration of proportion only to the 200 to the 200 seats. And the rationale for the suggestion is that uh, the proposition ameliorates the obvious distortion of the requirement for an electoral system that results in general in proportional representation. The next slide, next slide, please. Next slide, Adam, thanks. The third theme deals with the filling of vacancies in respect of, the, of independent candidates. Again, we have noted the new proposal that has been presented by, by, the, by, the, by the department. Uh, view there, and the slide simply tries, uh, deals, it deals with, uh, is concerned with achieving an equitable treatment of candidates. In other words, not treating candidates differently only on the basis that one represents a political party and the other is an independent. So instead of leaving the seat that is vacated by an independent vacant for the term, we propose two things. The first is that the seat is allocated to the party or qualified available independent candidate with the highest remainder of votes in the relevant regional election. 
the distinction between what we're saying and what uh, the department uh, presented a few minutes back is that we do not anticipate a reservation of seat. In other words, if a seat is vacated by an independent, that seat is not reserved to be filled by another independent. And the reason there is that if you do that, you may be distorting the, the, the value of the vote. You may be offending the principle of equal weight to a vote because it is possible if you skip political parties, it is possible that you may skip a political party which qualifies in terms of the new revised quota and end up uh, allocating that seat to an independent who got far less seats than any of the political parties uh, once we have done the, the reallocation and recalculation uh, of seats. Next slide. So we are of the view that the seat should not remain vacant for the term, that we can use a recalculation of the result uh, on election day to achieve a replacement. But the only distinction between our suggestion and what the department has suggested is that the, we, do, we do not have, in our, in our formulation, we do not have a, a reservation of seat that a seat vacated by an independent must go to another independent. And the rationale uh, for that is as follows, is that if you do that, you may negatively affect the requirement of general proportionality, the right of equality before the law, the express requirement that vacancies must be filled in terms of national legislation and the minimum representative prescribed by the constitution and national legislation. In terms of the constitution and legislation, the number of seats in parliament are determined at maximum 400 and no fewer than 350. So if we have a high number of independents and those seats are left vacant for the term, you may distort the proportionality uh, of, 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 the, of the legislative assembly, but also that you may, uh, you may run the risk that that chamber is no longer proportional because if the will of the voter was that there are 10 independent candidates in the chamber and nine of them lose, uh, lose their seats and those seats are not filled, you have nine seats that are not represented and the proportion vote has no voice in the chamber. So in summary and simply put, our proposal is as, follow, is as follows. If the will of the people proportionally expressed is that a legislature must comprise, among others, five independent candidates and two vacate office during a term, leaving the seat unfilled for the remainder of the term brings about a result that is no longer proportional and one that does not reflect the will uh, of the people as expressed in the result of the, of the result. Next slide, uh, Adam, to the fourth theme, which is eligibility of candidates to contest regional elections for the National Assembly and elections of provincial legislatures. Again, here we have noted the proposal uh, by the department, uh, which was made this afternoon, and therefore the summary in, in, in our presentation may not be entirely accurate and represent the, 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 the current position. But as it currently stands, the bill places a residency requirement on independents who are contesting in the region when there is no corresponding requirement for political parties. The sentiment of the commission is that this may be 
impacting on candidates in an unequal manner. Next slide, uh, 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 Adam. So we propose the following. We propose that a, that a qualifying independent candidate who is registered as a voter must be entitled to contest the regional elections in all the nine regions. In other words, we recommend that we remove the residency requirement and the requirement that the person must be registered as a voter in that region. This, however, does not equate to the ability of independent candidates to aggregate votes across all the nine regions because they can only represent themselves because they are independent. Thirdly, that the trade-off is as follows, that the, the independent's ability to stand without limitation to a specific region is conditional on the independent being only allocated to a seat that they have won with the highest proportion of votes relative to their respective quota in that region. In other words, if a candidate stands both in the Northern Cape and in the Free State, and because the quotas for those regions are different, the, the, the independent will be defaulted a seat in a region in which they have come closest to the quota relative to the quota in that region. Because if a candidate gets 600 votes in the Northern Cape, that 600 vote will, be, will not translate into a seat in Gauteng. In, 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 in well, it could possibly translate into a seat in another, in another region. So the trade-off is that a candidate who stands in multiple regions will be locked into a seat that they win by the highest proportion of votes relative to the quota of that region. And all other seats, if the candidate is popular and wins more than two seats, uh, in a seat in more than two regions, they will forfeit all other seats and, and the results will be recalculated, excluding the, uh, the votes that have been cast in favor of that independent. So that is the first alternative that we remove the residency and registration requirement in respect of independent candidates. However, if this suggestion doesn't find favor in the, in the alternative, we propose that both independent candidates and political party candidates appearing on regional list for the National Assembly and Provincial Legislative Parties must be subjected to the same requirements of registration and residence in the region they are contesting. And I think this is uh, finds uh, uh, favor with the proposal tabled by the department this, this afternoon. Next slide, Mr. Salmon. And the rationale for this is that the commission appreciates that the requirement is intended to foster better accountability in respect of independent candidates, but the commission remains concerned that to the extent that the same requirement does not apply to party candidate, it may impact contestants in an uneven, in an uneven manner. The next theme on the next slide speaks to the number of ballots. And I'll, I'll skip straight to the next slide, uh, Mr. Salmon, to what is contained in the bill. The bill proposes to retain the same scheme, in other words, that for national and provincial elections, voters receive two ballot papers. And that the ballot paper used for the region and for the national remains the same ballot paper with the only change that in the region, 
it will include the names of kind of independents that are contesting that region. We, the commission is not, uh, is not averse to that formulation, but wants to place before the consideration of the department and the portfolio committee a proposition in the following terms. That instead of two, three ballots be used for the elections. The first ballot will be for the elections of the 200 compensatory seats that are reserved for members of the National Assembly, which is a closed list election. The second ballot will be for the regional elections of the 200 members of the National Assembly. And because these are regional ballots, they will vary region by region, depending on the uniqueness of, of parties contesting and independents contesting in those regions. Uh, the third ballot on the next slide will be of election of members of the provincial legislatures in each province. These are provincial ballots and the names and, of parties and independent parties will be unique to contestants in those in that province. The rationale for the suggestion uh, is as follows. One, the commission has considered whether its suggestion will not add an additional complexity to the elections for members of the National Assembly and provincial legislatures. And it has come to a view that the proposition will make it easier for voters to make informed choices, thus giving effect to the will of the people. Secondly, because people are not limited to one ballot for regional and direct election of National Assembly, they are no longer faced with a a non-binary choice with a binary choice of either or. So a voter may exercise an election to split their vote, to vote for an independent in the regional constituency election, and to vote for a party in the 200 compensatory, compensatory seat. If you do not introduce the third ballot paper, a voter is faced with a choice of only making one mark on a ballot and therefore does not give the voter a chance. Whereas the third ballot uh, may, may, may facilitate the making of a choice by a voter uh, uh, on a rational, on a more rational basis. The next, the next slide deals with the rationale. The suggestion facilitates the participation of voters abroad in election of the 200 National Assembly compensatory seat because as we all know, voters who vote outside of the Republic only vote for the National Assembly uh, on the National Assembly election. So this is consistent with the scheme as it currently stands, but also for voters inside the country, it gives them much, much better choice uh, to exercise tactical voting if they are faced with a choice between an independent and a party. So they can vote for an independent in the region and still vote for that party in 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 the in the national in the national assembly. I'll increase speed now, Chair. The next thing deals with on the next on the next slide deals with the uh, consequential matters, and these have been eloquently dealt with by the uh, parliamentary legal services as well as by the by the department. I will not spend a lot of time on 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 and on these ones. We know them. We will deal with them. And just make the few concluding uh, concluding remarks. It would be remiss if, on behalf of the commission, I do not register some of the apprehensions that the commission hold. The first 
is that the, the increase in the number of electoral contestants has consequences. And those consequences may be expressed in the following way, and this is no by no means exhaustive. One, it has implications for electoral logistics, but we do not want to make an argument about difficulty in logistical or administrative difficulties, but to look at it from the prism of a voter. To say, if a voter is confronted with a booklet of candidates, can it be said that that voter exercised their choice on an informed basis? Because a voter who can't readily identify their party may end up miscasting their ballot or voting for more parties than they're entitled to mark on a ballot paper and thereby rendering that ballot paper uh, spoiled. The second issue is that unavoidably, there will be an increase in the number of contestants. We had 48 parties in the last national and provincial elections. For the local government election, we had the biggest uh, PR ballot in the city of Johannesburg with uh, 56, I think, candidates on it. The ballot paper was long and unwieldy. In order to limit frivolity in the electoral process, the commission will have to increase or relook at the threshold for qualification. And if you adjust that in the context of the independents contesting for the first time in this election, you run the risk that you are placing barriers to entry for independent, uh, for independent candidates. The next point we, we, we wish to make is that the commission has an interest that whatever electoral system that parliament eventually adopts must be simple, both from a voter's perspective and for purposes of election administration. For the voter, we must always make it, we must try to honor and make sure that that ritual of making a mark on the ballot paper retains relevance with how seats are allocated in a legislative assembly. If we complicate the seat allocation process or the voting process so that that mark on the ballot loses connection with how it translates into a seat, that may result in less participation by voters because the system has been rendered, uh, has been rendered difficult for them. For the Electoral Commission, our interest is that the, simple must, the system, whatever system that parliament determines, must be simple enough to facilitate the release of election outcomes sooner rather than later. Last point, as I conclude, Chair, is that the consequential amendments uh, should be attended to with speed as soon as the, uh, the amendment bill is passed to enable the Electoral Commission to put in proper arrangements for preparations for national and provincial elections that must be held in terms of the constitution no later than August 2024. That concludes the input by the Electoral Commission. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy CEO, for the presentation. Uh, on behalf of the IEC, we are going to invite members to comment on the presentation or ask questions. Um, I will 
will start with the Honorable Kwase, Honorable Kanyele, Honorable Legua, Honorable Ross, Honorable Ramulobeng, and Honorable Pile. In that order, Honorable Kwase. Thank you very much. Uh, let me just thank the IEC for their presentation. We really appreciate it and also let's note the recommendations that they have done. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Jose, Honorable Kanyere. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Uh, I think it is only fair to say these uh, proposals um, are quite suitable and welcome the presentation by the IEC. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, uh, we appreciate the presentation presented by the Commission and also take note of the report. But, Chairperson, I just want to check uh, a small issue with the Commission on uh, the feeling of vacancy that the proposal made by the commission is, is it not going to cause confusion among uh, political parties or independents? Is there no any other mechanism that the commission can uh, propose on the issue of building of weekend? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Another uh, Thank you, Chair. Apologies for leaving my camera off. I'm just struggling with uh, signal. Uh, Chairperson, I, I concur 100% with, uh, with my colleague, Honorable Kanyele, and really welcome this presentation. I think the, the proposals really uh, deal with a lot of the challenges in terms of proportionality um, and uh, actually dealing with the vacancies. Uh, but Chairperson, there's just one thing that I really want to clarify, um, because I think sometimes when we talk about independence and replacing independence and that, then, you know, on, on the one hand, we say that an independent is an independent and they get one seat. Um, and, and Chair, I really believe we, we just need to be clear that, uh, you know, a, an independent is not a grouping of independents. Um, so if we talk about an independent resigning, for example, um, you, you know, if you talk about proportionality, you, you could have an independent that resigns and they got 80,000 votes. Then the next on the list is a party that got 75,000 votes. Then the next is an independent that got 20,000 votes. But that independent is a completely different person with a different philosophy and everything. So, so to say that you need to then replace the independent with another independent as if they're a group um, is to confuse the whole thing of, of saying that independents are indeed independent. You are an individual that is standing as an individual chair. So I think it's just important with our deliberations about how we fill those vacancies and that to consider that. Um, and that also, you know, we should, we should consider that as much as the court case ruled that independents have the right to contest as individuals based on the fact or their right to not associate, that political parties, they contest on their right to associate. And those rights, you know, the one shouldn't be considered to be higher or more important than the other one. So, Chair, that's just something that I wanted to, to highlight as we, as we deliberate. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Ross. Thanks very much. Honorable Ramulobi. Honorable Tito. 
Ana bora lukota. Ana bora tswako. Ana bora pile. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me first apologize for earlier making reference to IEC when the presentation only came now. But Chair, I think I'm being clarified in terms of the filling of vacancies, uh, in terms of the submission made now, that it's clear that when you readjust or recalculate or look at filling in vacancies, it could either be a political party or an, or an independent. And I think we must just clarify what Honorable Ruas was just saying, because I don't think there was mention of replacing an independent with an independent. What it said was replacing um, that seat by whoever then is the next in terms of uh, the vote outcome, in terms of the election results, um, who would then have the highest in terms of, of, of that allocation, and they would be allocated that seat. So I think that clarifies it. And I think that a lot of the submissions uh, really then just concretizes uh, what has been happened. Uh, or what we've been deliberating on. Um, and and I like the fact that uh, there was talk about ballot booklets and how we can now make it easier in terms of ballot papers. Chair, holistically, I must say that uh, this really gives us direction as a committee. We appreciate the, um, the responses made by the IEC. Remember, ultimately, it's the IEC who runs the election. So we, we are guided by, by their submissions and... and we will then take this as we move forward. Thank you very much, Chair. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Honorable Members. Uh, I think that is the issues raised by, and you can establish now a, a COC board that the expression of two views in terms of uh, issues that Honorable Pile and Honorable Ross have raised in relation to the uh, to the replacement and i think you will offer a comment on, on on that there's an issue which we raised earlier on uh, also honorable uh, kanile around the participation of the independent in the party liaison uh, committee um, perhaps if you can expand what maybe the attitude towards uh, this uh, question or the expression of the ic in relation to the uh, participation of the of the independent, so that two in the main issues that are raised, but general comments uh, that are arising from a, a, for members for noting. I'm going to. Uh, um, I see the hand of minister, uh, and I don't know whether he want to respond on the presentation of uh, IEC. Uh, what I would advise is that uh, let's get the IC responding if there's any response or comment on the on the presentation. And then the minister will be last uh, to uh, to make a response or comment uh, on the on the issues. I will uh, invite the deputy CEO uh, to make responses. Then then I will then invite the commissioners to comment and then uh, the minister to uh, close remark on the on on the issues uh, if they are follow up from members i'll attempt to uh, request to go back to members for areas that the responses may not have been uh, fairly uh, uh, clarified uh, mr Shibori? thank you chair and and Thank you, Honorable Lumwasa, Honorable Kanyile, 
Honorable Mulegua for the for the for the feedback. Uh, Honorable Rose, we are we are we are not at odds. What we are proposing uh, and the suggestion is for us is that we do not think it is proper to leave one category of seat vac- vacant only because they were filled by independents. We suggest that we must find a way of filling those seats. And what we are proposing is that we do a recalculation akin to a a forfeiture recalculation. In other words, you exclude, you take the results from the last election, you exclude all the votes that you've allocated seats for, you also add the independent who has just lost the seat, you remove their votes and exclude their seat and do a recalculation. In, and in that recalculation, you do not have, for want of a better word, a reservation. That seat will go to whoever is next in line. It could be a party, it could be an independent, because as you correctly pointed out, it is well possible that you, if you skip, if you want to look, you reserve that seat for independence, you may skip parties that had a higher proportion of the remainder of votes and go and allocate a seat to an independent who has seven votes for no reason other than that they are an independent. And if you do so, you then dilute the equality of the vote principle. You also offend the principle uh, of, uh, of the will of the voter because if the voters have expressed a choice, we must in the seat allocation honor that uh, allocation of vote. Oh, 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 uh, 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 seats must follow the choices of the voter. Honorable Pillay, uh, thank you for clarifying the, the understanding. That is, that is what we had intended to, to communicate. The last point uh, by you, Chair, relates to the participation of independents in the, in, the, in the PLC. We have this as part of the consequential amendment that we must do. This is with, entirely within the remit of the Electoral Commission. We will deal with that and to give members a level of comfort this is very this is chartered territory for us because for local in local government election and in by elections we have independence and we have a well established and trusted scheme to accommodate them in participation uh, in the in the plc thank you very much chair thank you very much uh, deputy ceo shibori for uh, the presentation and also the comment uh, you have uh, shared with the, the committee. I'm going to invite the uh, commissioners, uh, Deputy Commissioner Love, you will uh, um, lead and uh, assign if there's any comment from uh, Commissioner Mieta and Commissioner Masuku. Uh, you'll then guide the Commissioner Love. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. I think that the issues have been catered for and covered. Um, the, the, the issue of the replacement of candidates, of course, is one that highlights how, um, how closely these sorts of decisions are in relation to broader um, questions of policy. And I just want to, you know, highlight this in relation to the question you, Chairperson, put to the Minister in um, uh, once his presentation had been complete. And that related to the issue of 
um, gender and, and women representatives, possibly being placed with women representatives. While, in a way, the, the issue um, is one of those things that if the committee were minded to do something like that, you would then have to take that as a policy decision. But at the moment, similar to the issue of independence, there is no clear policy decision that makes any type of reservation that's come from yourselves. So we have really confined ourselves to what is actually on the table in order to try and achieve the greatest um, uh, uh, reflection of the will of the people and also an equal treatment of a candidate, whether from a political party or from um, coming as an independent. So I, I just wanted to, to appreciate that. There are, of course, a number of other issues. Um, Mr. Shiburi has canvassed some of the key consequential matters, but there could be um, a, a number of others that we will bring to the committee. Um, and, and of course, then the different um, practical implications will also be clearer once we finalize the legislation. And that too, we will be able to respond to. I just make um, reference to a question that was asked earlier on around whether or not the size of the voting stations would be able to accommodate all the different um, uh, party agents. Uh, that was from Honorable Kenele, as well as the agents of independence. And those are the kinds of details that we would then have to engage um, further on. Um, I don't know whether um, my fellow commissioners have anything to add. Um, Commissioner Moyepia, you're covered. Um, uh, Dr. Masuku, you are covered. Um, great. Um, I, I would then um, hand back to you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Thanks very much. If they've indicated that they are covered, uh, that is welcome. Um, <clears throat> Minister? I, I saw you noting your hand earlier on. Yes, Chair. No, thank you very much. I, I just wanted to raise two issues, but now that you said um, I'll, I'll raise them in, in closing in the summary, that is still okay. Number one, whether members do know that what the IEC has presented, or maybe let me firstly say, Chairperson, I, I much appreciate the presentation from the IEC because the IEC are election practitioners. Whatever we have thought out of consideration in trying to give leadership to the country, in trying to get a senior counsel, for instance, to advise us, whatever that is, it cannot match the practical experience of the IEC. In other words, the people who practically put the election uh, on the, on the ground. We, we are like agitators. We draw a plan, but the builder will tell you that, no, this plan cannot fit on this ground. Forget about it. In my understanding, that is what the IEC is doing. And, 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 and taking our plan and looking at its practicality and applicability and telling us where we need uh, to maneuver. So the first thing I want to mention in that regard is that whether the committee is aware then that they are proposing that we drop the, 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 the three methods, I mean, the three, uh, uh, the, the, the three, what's the term? I'm just getting confused. 
allocating three seats in three different ways. We are dropping it in favor of one allocation using the group quarter. For that reason, then, the proposal I made earlier that we need to support independent candidates by replacing a seat of an independent candidate with the other, it then falls off. But also what Honorable Ruos and also Honorable Pile have said has got merit. And, and I, I really like the way Honorable Ruos has put it. That independent is not a group of independent. It's an independent. So if we are following this method, then the political party has got the right to take us to court and say I was next in line to win the seat and it was taken from me and be given to an independent. There's no legal reason to do so. So I do agree with that and uh, also agree with the allocation of seats in the trip method once and for all, not in three different shifts. I, I, uh, I, I appreciate that very much and I welcome that. And I think the way is now open for us to move on and, and finalize the issue of the bid. Thank you very much. No, thanks, uh, Minister. For any follow-up, members? Okay. No. Thanks very much, uh, 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 honorable members. Uh, I'm sure the the legal parliamentary legal service, uh, Mr. Njikela and uh, the colleagues, uh, you have noted the comment responses of uh, IEC and the Department of Home Affairs, um, and will obviously interact with the parliamentary legal service uh, um, uh, to get their attitude, um, not attitude, responses in terms of the issues that they've raised, uh, they've been pressed on, and that they've left uh, to the Home Affairs and the, and the IEC, uh, will interface with that, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Matunzi. But I wanted to just for noting the, that uh, Mr. Njikela, have you noted some of the issues that have been raised without responding so that uh, we are able to uh, uh, schedule for uh, comments uh, for uh, the committee. Mr. Njikela? Oh, Daksha? You can hear Mr. Njikela. Mr. Njikela, can, can, we're not, you're not audible? No, I'm just saying so we, we, we have taken note of the issues. Yes. We will reflect on them and come back to you. Yes. No, thanks. I just wanted that uh, uh, noting. Thanks very much, uh, Parliamentary Legal Service. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister and uh, the, the, the IEC. Um, and I think, Minister, your comments, uh, um, the last comments, uh, will, will interface with them when we deliberate. Uh, members were noting some of the issues that have arise. And I think we must appreciate uh, the IEC. Uh, if members recall, recall uh, that uh, immediately the uh, the judgment was handed, uh, we we did requested IEC to um, we invited IEC to come and present just modalities uh, or lessons from other countries in terms of what it means uh, uh, on this uh, judgment uh, uh, and also uh, take a course on policies that other countries have. Uh, 
uh, implemented the implications because ministers are correct that they are the last phase to uh, implement whatever decision are going to uh, to take. Uh, and I think we must consciously uh, note uh, uh, that part. We want to thank that effort, and I think they've been um, continuously uh, availing their uh, uh, time and also uh, uh, raising the issue that uh, if there's any other matter that the committee may need to uh, uh, interact with them, a particular technical level, we, we ought to be available to invite them. We want to thank yourself and the, and the team. We'll note the, we're noting the report and they will interface with the parliamentary legal service and then we'll able to uh, engage uh, so that we're able to uh, close up on the, uh, the report and the bill and we submit them to parliament for, uh, for, for debate. The, this uh, in, gave us an indication that uh, we're closing off on this uh, item uh, and then we're going to invite, uh, uh, I think I'm, it's fair enough, uh, 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 Mr. Matonsi, to close up this item on this note. We'll then invite uh, Mr. Uh, Salmon. Uh, I think we've, we've outlined the process on how we're going to interface with the, uh, the bill uh, since we've started with these responses. So we can re-emphasize uh, uh, that point. Our commitment is that we must uh, finish this uh, a task that uh, the Constitutional Court has directed us to do. Mr. Matonsi will invite uh, uh, Mr. Salmon and then uh, we'll uh, get to the last item of the minister as we've requested for him to clarify two or three things in relation to the issues that are current. Um, if members of the commission or they want to uh, uh, be released, you are allowed to uh, to to stay or to uh, to be released from the the meeting, Mr. Salman. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, can I confirm that the uh, the document is displayed on the on the screen? Yes, yes, Mr. Salman. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, again, I will skip uh, directly to the recommendations. Um, I received only one input uh, from Honorable Roos, and it was merely just to correct a small omission. Um, so the recommendations stand the same as, as I presented last week. Um, uh, I can go through them again, um, or uh, with your guidance, we can, we can just say that uh, based on the presentation from last week, we, we um, adopt the recommendations I presented last week with the minor amendment of uh, an edit uh, that was that was already captured. Okay, I, uh, I think what you can do because we've gone through the presentation, uh, the the report, uh, sorry, and there were amendment uh, or corrections that were made to uh, your attention. I will just invite members to. Uh, 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 if there are any other issues, and then we move for the adoption and second. And I think we've well through, went through this uh, report formally managed to adopt it uh, for purpose of our, our, our record and the budget. Can I check with members in terms of the report? Honorable Lohase, Honorable Kanyele, Honorable Lokwa, Honorable Ross, Honorable Ramulobeng, and Honorable Pile. 
I'm trying to get other members because I can't, uh, who are serving the committee, Honorable Tito and Honorable Veteran Lokota and uh, Honorable Twago, uh, if they are here, they must uh, indicate. Honorable Khwase? Thank you very much, Chair. No input from my side, and I agree that we should adopt the report with the amendments made. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Kanyele, thank you. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I also support that we. Uh, no, no, no. We are not supporting the the the, the this budget vote, Chairperson. But we are just noting it and we'll reserve our comment on it. Thank you so much. Honorable Molekwa. Thank you, Chairperson. As recommended by the particular committee, Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable. I mean by the department. Thank you, Honorable Ramlove. Thank you, uh, Honorable Ruas. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I'm largely covered by Honorable Kanyele. Um, but, but just a comment on this, you know, Ted, a lot of these recommendations were in the last year's report. And I understand that some of these things are multi-year, but I, I really think, Chair, that you know, we, we need to get to a point next year when we, when we look at this again, that we go back to, to, to previous recommendations and really interrogate, you know, if, if they haven't been complied with, um, why that has happened, especially ones that should really be able to be completed and, and sorted out within a year. Thank you, Chair. Um, Honorable Pile. Thank you, Chair. I support uh, Honorable Lejose and uh, move for us to to adopt the report. Okay. No chat, can I second that to the move of adoption? Honorable Jose has moved for adoption. And I second the chair. Okay. Um, I take uh, uh, Honorable Kanile, you and uh, you, are, you are not. Uh, subscribing to the adoption of the report. Thanks very much. The, uh, uh, the report has been uh, read. Uh, we've read it last week. We have now adopted it uh, with all the issues that we raised. It reflects the, uh, the report that was presented by Home Affairs, IEC, and Government uh, Print Works, uh, in both on the progress that has been made um, the challenges that have been uh, uh, highlighted and the commitment of the portfolio committee with all the uh, home affairs, IEC, and the next that will be working on. Thanks very much. Uh, the report is uh, uh, adopted. And now I'm going to invite Minister on the issue that we have uh, uh, raised uh, to uh, brief. Uh, the committee uh, on the work that, uh, in particular, the issues that we've, we've, we've raised. Minister Mtoledi. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, you have raised on the current issues uh, about the issue of uh, Zimbabwean PhD student adverts. I'm sure that's the one you raised. I just want to be clear so that I don't respond to a wrong thing. 
I've raised two areas. One is that we, the medical has uh, uh, said and reflected on the issues that the public or members of parliament are raising to the Home Affairs, which have acknowledged progress to some of the issues that we get responses and some of the issues that are not uh, response, are responded uh, uh, timely. And I think that is a concern that uh, we're, we're raising with yourself and the DG. And we've also taken a posture that should now that, uh, and I think the point that has also been raised in a closing by Omar Ross, uh, if the minister and the DG are unable to account some of the issues, we are going to invite those your officials who are responsible uh, so that they give account. Secondly, in that space, uh, we've raised the issue of the student advance, which is a reflection of the, the payments. And uh, we went through the uh, papers and also the statement which was issued. Uh, but they were inviting minister to give a comprehensive uh, response on that matter in, uh, in particular, so that members of the committee have clarity on the issues uh, that are facing the department. Uh, thank you, minister. I think you can... Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, <clears throat> it is true that on the 6th of May, there was a story carried in News 24 of a, <clears throat> a PhD student at the University of the Mitotas Rent, who's from Zimbabwe, who committed suicide on the 30th April. And the story insinuated that. This happened because he could not register further for his PhD studies because his uh, study permit expired at the end of January. And the story goes on to say he has been in regular contact with the Department of Home Affairs uh, to process his documents. The university then further went on to tell News 24 that as a university, they are unable to register any foreign students without the requisite documentation. The overall narrative in the story was that the Department of Home Affairs did not do its work leading to the death of a student, so much that the former minister of higher education in Zimbabwe, Professor Jonathan Moyo, issued a, a scathing statement attacking uh, me directly and saying this student died because of the Afrophobic tendencies of the Minister of Home Affairs. He did everything according to the book, but nothing came out of it. Chair, we issued a statement on the 11th of May to clarify this issue, and we said we are placing things on record. In the statement, they further on refer to the Zimbabwe exemption permit that we have terminated it and many people are going to suffer, in a way linking it also to the death of the student. Now, Chairperson, this is what I want to say. The death of any one particular individual is a very sad affair. It's very painful. It should disappoint every human being, especially if that death is by suicide because it shows that somebody was stretched to limit. Now, we believe, Chairperson, to come and use that death to try and bash somebody 
or make political mileage out of it. It's stooping very, very low and it's quite unfortunate. I was waiting eagerly, believing that VETS maybe is going to, re- to issue or release a suicide note where the student will have said they died because of home affairs. But that was not forthcoming. So we went to investigate exactly why, why is home affairs being blamed? Where could we have gone wrong? And these are the facts, Chairperson. Firstly, the student is not on the Zimbabwe exemption permit. So whatever happens about the Zimbabwe exemption permit does not apply to him in any way whatsoever. But even if, even if the student was a holder of the Zimbabwe exemption permit, you'll be aware that that permit, in terms of directive number one of 2021, uh, that all the people who are on the Zimbabwe exemption permit, they will only expire on the 31st of December 2022. So for that reason, anybody on that permit cannot be stopped from registering with any institution inside South Africa. That's number one. But number two, Chairperson, I want to inform the Portfolio Committee on the 28th of September 2021, that's last year, uh, we issued a directive in the Government Gazette telling people who are on study permits that they can now start applying. You may remember, Chairperson, that uh, during the state of disaster, immediately after COVID started, some of these things stopped, but we were painfully aware that some visas, whether a study visa, any other permit that allow you to be in South Africa so as not to be legal. You remember that we kept on extending them and reporting to this committee about the extensions right from March 2020. But in September 2021, we opened for the people to apply for visas. Anybody who's on a study visa that could have expired. And we opened for, 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 for application. That was in September. Now, in January, the visa of this student expires. We don't know why from September he was not applying. But that expiry chairperson could not have led to him not registering for the simple reason that it was still under the extension. It was still valid. I then phoned Vet to ask them, when did you open for registration? They said in March. Chairperson, in March, this student permit was still valid. There was no reason for him to be in regular contact with the Department of Home Affairs for the purpose of registration. He never needed us in any way. So that then tells me that no, because he's a senior student, they extended his registration up to May, that he could even register uh, 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 in May. But then they did not, were not able to answer. Why did he not register in March? Why do, do, do they have to make an extension when he has got valid documents, which are valid in terms of the law? Now, they say the student was in regular contact with the Department of Home Affairs, and that paragraph comes immediately after saying the permit expired in January, and he has been in regular contact. Chairperson, in our record, the student only applied on the 21st of April, not in January. So the story that he was in regular contact with Home Affairs is not true. The first application for him to renew a permit, which according to him expired in, in, on the 30th of January, 
the application only arrived on the 21st of April. But I will believe maybe because he was aware that even if legally it expires on the 31st of January, it was still valid in terms of extension from home affairs. I believe he knew that. So if he knew that, why wouldn't then he use it to register? So the application we received on the 21st of April, meaning it was long after the expiry, even though the expiry was extended, remember the state of disaster was lifted on the 4th of April, meaning any other document that was issued or any other directive rather that was issued under the state of disaster uh, fell off. But still, he waited until the 21st of April, which is about three weeks later. Now, when you apply after your documents have long expired, you have got to apply what is called a letter of good cause to give reason why you did not apply on time. So on the 21st of April, when the student applied, he was looking for that uh, letter of good cause. There is a form 17, which is given to you to fill in for that letter of good cause, which was given to him. But that night, nine days later, he then committed suicide, uh, even before anybody could respond uh, to anything. Now, Chair, as far as home affairs is concerned, we condemn the insinuation that this tragic death of the said students can be laid at the door of home affairs. Uh, we reject a chairperson with contempt, uh, with the contempt it deserves. And we believe the university owes an explanation to the public what could have happened to cause this tragic death. We are not saying they are responsible, but we are saying because the student was under their care, they are in a best position to know. Uh, 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 and we believe shifting the blame to the Department of Home Affairs is very unhelpful and is something that we can accept. Thank you, Chairperson. Thanks very much for that uh, uh, responses. I would invite members also to uh, comment so that we, we close up on the matter. Uh, but as a process, uh, Minister, what we'll do, uh, we'll, as you know, that we are dealing with also immigration issues, we'll uh, 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 attempt to schedule a session so that you, you, the department give account on the progress in terms of how we're responding to the, um, the immigration issues. And uh, I can recall that uh, uh, you did uh, also raise that uh, you are interacting with the ministers uh, who are responsible for uh, 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 home affairs issues in neighboring countries, just to interact with this uh, question that the country is, uh, is facing. And secondly, we'll obviously request minister to submit um, a, a, a sequence of evidence, I mean, evidence uh, in terms of the issues that we're raising to the, to the committee and the process that the committee has taken. And uh, as you indicated, the process that the disease has made application to the, uh, to the home affairs uh, uh, so that we we'll look on the area of oversight work um, and the institution will deal with another process with yourself as the as the uh, uh, the committee as the home of, uh, department of home affairs. We'll then able to formulate our uh, a thorough uh, a comment and responses on the issues that uh, uh, we're, we're raising. But we're fully aware that 
any issue that arise from uh, conduct of uh, uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, whether they are wrong or correct, uh, in particular when they are at the outside the policy position of uh, uh, our uh, 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 government, the the uh, the Department of Home Affairs uh, receive negative uh, 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 posture or allegations to to that to that extent, but we are cautious on this matter that uh, we'll receive a full report and members will be circulated on this particular uh, position. I will invite members to comment on the on this uh, matter that the minister has raised. Then we close uh, this item. Uh, Honorable Lokwase, Honorable Kanyile, Honorable Mulekwa, Honorable Rose, Honorable uh, Ramulebuen, and Honorable Pile. Honorable Thank you very much, Chair. And thank you, Minister, for the update. We've been reading about the issue of the student on the papers. And, Chair, I think one must concur with your statement that we shall we should have a session to discuss any other related issues. And, Chair, I think you've given us a directive or... Yes, you've given us a directive as to how to approach all these other issues because it can't be that we single out an issue or we become reactionary on issues that are most of the time coming and we read about them in the newspapers. I think all other issues, like you mentioned, Chair, will have a session and have a chance to deliberate on them. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Kanyele. Thank you, Chairperson. We, we note the, the response from Minister and uh, we wish to express our sincere condolences to the family of the said student. And further to that, I think your proposal is guiding us on how we can actually move forward. In the meantime, we will wait for the, for the report as, as directed by yourself. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Muleko. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, yes, I'd, I'd like to concur with Honorable Kanyile um, uh, in terms of welcoming your uh, proposed approach. Um, it's very difficult to tell from the media what's going on, and you know we need that that evidence and to and to properly consider that evidence. Um, but I think you know the scenario also links to what we're talking about with the the unanswered uh, queries and inquiries. Um, that we have, and where people are desperate, I mean, when, they, when they're cutting, they, they are really, really desperate and depressed, um, because when they don't receive documents um, in the required time frame, their lives stop. They are severely affected. Um, it affects their identity, etc. So, so, chair, that you know, this is why also the issue of you know responding to to queries uh, timelessly and that um, is so important, because because really the, this is the day to day that that we as MPs deal with when members of the public approach us. They're, they're not only desperate, um, but they, they are, are often depressed. They're often crying on the phone. They, they don't know what to do. They are truly stuck. And, and you don't know how this affects people, Chair. And so, um, you know, the, the, the one other aspect I'd like to bring up is uh, in situations like this, um, you find, for example, every, every year, Chair, at the, at the end of the school year, um, Students are contacting you, learners, learners, to say that their school has said that they have to have their, 
birth certificate to get their results or etc. Um, when that's not necessarily the case. So, but that, you know, the school doesn't know that. People often don't know that. And one of the things that's being implemented overseas is, is something called an e-verification system. And that is where you can go and you can type in an ID number or a passport number um, through a system and determine either whether somebody is eligible to work um, or, or, or whether they are eligible to study, for example. And, and I really think that, you know, that's a serious, it, it's a recommendation to consider going forward um, is, is to introduce an e-verification system whereby for, this, for the person themselves that they understand um, what their situation is because, you know, students don't read a gazette, unfortunately, and, and often the gazette system is down. It's difficult to, to find it, etc. Um, but if, if, if there was such an e-verification system, they would be able to self-verify and see, okay, my student uh, visa is still valid. Um, and, you know, that can be handled in the back end. So things like um, um, uh, waivers and that can be programmed in the back end that then in the front end you can see, you know, this person can register, they are, are verified. Uh, so that's just a suggestion that I wanted to make um, for this kind of scenario and a lot of other scenarios like it. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Honorable Ramulobe. Honorable Pile. Honorable Pile. Thank you very much, Chair. No, I support your proposal, Chair. Um, and I think that's how we should be proceeding. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much, uh, honourable members. Uh, um, Minister, you want to comment before I close? Yes, yes. Thank Chair you, Minister. Yes, I I understand what Dumosh is saying, but I really don't appreciate it very much because he seems to be saying we overstretching people and and relating to this matter regardless of the fact that I've, I've given uh, 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 the, the sequence of events, the, the proposal Honorable Ross is making of E, I don't know, E, 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 visa or something like that. Verification. Yes, verification. Honorable Ross, universities have got a direct contact with the units a dedicated unit in home affairs called corporate accounts unit, specifically because we know what happened in educational institution. That corporate account unit supports all educational institutions on matters of documentation, including where intervention is required. And all universities have got direct contact with this. Any university that want to register anybody and they've got problems, they conduct the unit, uh, honorable rules. And that's why we, we, we really do not like uh, uh, what is being insinuated in the name of home affairs, because we have that unit, as I'm speaking here, in all universities in South Africa, including VET itself, there are foreign students who have registered, who, who needed visas, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm not mistaken, speaking under correction, but we'll include it in your report, since September, when we opened for these uh, 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 applications, we dealt with no less than 2,000 foreign students who were applying for extension or renewal for their visas, and they all successfully registered in their universities. So when one of them has got this type of a problem, 
without establishing exactly what the facts are, just to come and say it's because of the for home affairs. We really don't appreciate that. We believe that's, that's not very good. Death in itself is a very sensitive issue, and it, we should not really play political football with it. We will write that report to you and give it to you, Chairperson, about exactly what happened in this regard from our side, from our point of view. Thank you very much. No, thanks, uh, Minister. Um, and uh, we collectively extend our condolences uh, to the to the family. Uh, what will establish now that? Sorry, chair. Sorry, chairperson. Okay, honourable. Uh, no, let me start. Honourable Kanyele, I see the hands, and then uh, honourable Ross, honourable Kanyele. Chairperson, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I heard you mentioning the issue about uh, the responses that um, um, we may not be getting from the department sometimes. I thought it's an issue that we're going to deal with on its own after we have dealt with the Zimbabwean matter. What I would like to express, this is my uh, greatest appreciation to uh, the DG, the DG Civic Services, and uh, immigration as well, and the spokesperson in the office of the minister, they are actually doing their best. But what I would also like for the department to look at, it is the issue at local offices, because we are so overwhelmed by queries that should have been handled at a, at a local level. At times, you wake up in the middle of night, you're having about 100 emails, you decide to forward all of them at that time. I think maybe what needs to happen, maybe the department needs to hold the relevant managers accountable or provincial managers before they can resolve the issues. Because now we, we are doing the work that should have been done at a local level. And some of the email trails proves that they have tried to send them emails or at some point they were responding to them and stopped responding about three years ago. Then they come to us as, as a last resort. I will truly appreciate it if this matter can actually be, be, be looked at. But other than that, we are uh, getting um, assistance from, from the officials, uh, from the offices that I have mentioned. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Kanyele. Um, Honorable Ross? Oh, th thank you, Chairperson. Um, just with your indulgence, you know, I think, um, you know, apologies to the minister, you know, if it came across that, uh, that I was insinuating that um, in any way in, in this case, um, that, that that suggestion or something else should have been done by home affairs in this case. I mean, it absolutely was not the intention. Um, you know, the, the, that, that recommendation was more on general, general issues where, where either persons or, or institutions don't necessarily know um, what specific regulations are or don't know if somebody's um, got the correct um, status, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it, it was really just meant to be a general comment and a general input. It wasn't meant to be about the, uh, the, the student adverts. So, so really, my apologies if it came across that way. Thank you very much. Dr. General? Thank you, Chairperson, and thanks for the, the, the questions. Maybe just in addition to the, uh, the responses that uh, the Minister provided, Chairperson, if you were to look at uh, the number of students that applied, and it's a matter that we pay very close attention to, I'll give you an example of uh, UCT. These are the numbers that we have. Uh, there were more than 1,214 undergraduate students that applied for uh, study visas. All of them processed on time. 
I'm referring to people that applied on time. Similarly, for post-grad, there were 1,816 students that applied, all of them processed on time. Now, coming specifically to vets, if you look at uh, the data pre-COVID, they used to receive about 4,000 uh, applications uh, from all over. Now, that number has dropped. The minister is correct. Last year alone, minister, they received 2,200 applications on time. Of all those applications, Home Affairs was able to process all of them on time. Now, out of that number, 736 chairperson are students from Zimbabwe that were all processed on time. Now, I'm referring to those that would have applied on time. Now, a lot of these universities, as ministers indicated, they've got what is referred to as an international office. That liaises very closely with the corporate accounts uh, unit within the department. And that's where all these numbers that I'm referring to uh, are actually uh, processed uh, on, on time. I think definitely we'll then look at some of the issues if, uh, uh, there's a need to look at. I think with regards to queries, uh, Minister, uh, Deputy Minister and Chairperson, we consolidated list from... You can publish it, you can publish it. No, 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 no. No, no, Mr. Matunz. Sorry, uh, DJ, you can proceed. Thank you, Chairperson, uh, for the protection. Uh, I was saying we have now received a consolidated list uh, from um, Lering, who uh, I think uh, Honorable Ruos and uh, other uh, Honorable members have been uh, sending through queries uh, to. So we've consolidated that list in terms of uh, the branches, whether it's matters that relate to civics, whether it's matters that relate to immigration, so that we avoid the duplications, uh, Chairperson. There are matters that we would have responded directly uh, to the clients. And, uh, and I think in the past, we had started a culture where we'll provide reports regularly uh, to the portfolio committee. And I think that's what we will do in terms of uh, uh, the list that we have received and the queries that we would have uh, received. Thank you so much, Chairperson. No, thanks. I think it's sufficient. The, the, the reason I wanted the report, uh, uh, and I think we still uh, resolve on that process, is that uh, we must, as members of the committee, where there's progress of the department and where there are allegations uh, that are not tested, we as members of the portfolio committee, we must able to clarify that. And I think the DG are giving more details in terms of the work in relation to the to the students that are assisted by the by the department by the department, this will give more information so that even our articulation on the issues that are related, uh, you see, in the manner that the papers have been uh, reflecting, it brings the department in the in the bad space, which is incorrect, and the information that is uh, uh, is is coming to the to the committee uh, uh, demonstrate the progress work in the uh, in relation to the uh, this issue that are related to assisting uh, 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 our brothers and sisters who are uh, studying in here in, in the country i think minister we appreciate that uh, work uh, that has been clarified and uh, uh, supporting the uh, the report will submit the, uh, the 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 report to ourselves we'll take this matter with the portfolio committee of education so that 
we are able to be on one space in terms of the information gathering um, uh, so that we talk about this uh, uh, progress work that the department is, is raising and perhaps identify some of the challenges that uh, are raised by the, uh, the, uh, the students. And also on that matter with the vets, will uh, Mr. Matonzi, who must liaise with the Portfolio Committee of uh, uh, Education so that we're able to uh, rebut any allegation that is apportioned to the uh, uh, put, uh, to Department of Home Affairs in relation to the account that the minister and the DG are providing uh, uh, to ourselves. And I think that uh, we must uh, uh, do that uh, uh, immediately because it, it is receiving uh, um, uh, attention to our neighboring countries in relation to the misinformation that has been uh, uh, presented uh, to, 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 to the people. So I think we are uh, uh, noting this report, Minister, and the DJ, uh, and all your team uh, in relation to all the issues. And I think, Honorable Kanyele, you are correct that uh, there's work uh, in appreciating where the department is able to respond to us in some of the issues, not even to us members of the committee or parliament, but the ordinary people on the ground. And I think uh, the sponsoring proposal that we need to check up on the lower structure of the department so that we're able to, uh, to, be, uh, to be assisted with the, uh, uh, our people on the ground, the DG. I think that proposal is relevant so that at the level of the ground, uh, offices and regional offices, provincial, you communicate the message. And those that are going to do good work, uh, we must applaud at the level of our officials. Thanks very much, uh, members. We have able to interface with the report of the responses of uh, IEC and the response of the department and also the response of the minister and your contributions, uh, honorable members, on the issues that uh, we are going to, uh, to take. We'll then schedule as all of us will agree uh, to interface uh, in detail on the issue of the immigration, what the minister is doing. Let's communicate progress work, uh, minister. Let's continue to do that so that we're able to limit uh, misdirected uh, uh, information. Is there any other matter, Mr. Matunzi, uh, which I've left on uh, outside the items that you've closed? No, Chairperson, there's no other matter. Okay. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Mr. Matons, also for scheduling this uh, meeting in the afternoon on Friday, and members for availing your time in the IEC, uh, the executive, uh, and the commissioners, minister, deputy minister, and the team, and all our officials, uh, and the, our uh, communications team uh, for the time available. Our meeting uh, stand agent. Thanks very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Chair. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you, Chair. Bye. Bye.